Brian Flores, gone. Won 19 games the past two years. 4-2 and two against Belichick. Even players around the league are shocked. Stephon Gilmore saying, Brian Flores is a great coach. That's wild. Devon Godshaw. Didn't see that coming. Cold world. And Eric Ebron. Yeah, this makes no sense. So, I'm going to have my boy JonTron kind of take over. And, uh, yeah, we're going to... Just going to have him explain it. I get it. I don't get it. Well, another NFL season has come and gone. And let me tell you, it's been an exciting one. It's been a confusing one. It's been all of the above. And now, here we are, January 10th, 2022. The first domino has fallen. Brian Flores, head coach of the Miami Dolphins, has been released in a statement from the owner, Stephen Ross, says, and I quote, The Miami Dolphins announced today that head coach Brian Flores has been relieved of his duties. Flores completed his third season as a head coach with a 24-25 and record. I made a decision today to part ways with Brian Flores, said Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross. After evaluating where we are as an organization and what we need going forward to improve, I determined the key dynamics of our football organization weren't functioning at a level I want it to be and felt that this decision was in the best interest of the Miami Dolphins. I believe we have a talented young roster in place and have the opportunity to be much better in 2022. I want to thank Brian for his hard work and wish him nothing but the best in his future. So is this a shock? A little bit. Um, obviously the one in seven record, we, we all know the, uh, how I felt about that. With the one in seven record, we managed to bring it back. We swept New England for the first time since what 2000, 2001. It's been about 20, 21 years since we've done that, so that's pretty cool. Um, but I mean, it's a little bit of a shock, right? Because yes, did we start off one in seven? Yes, did we go on a seven game win streak? Yes, was it against a lot of not very talented teams, absolutely. And with that being said, we also lost games against not the best teams. I don't want to call anybody horrible um, because, look, they're all professional athletes. It's I'm not going to sit here on the couch and be like, you're fucking trash, guy. Like, come on, man. But you start out 1-7, you bring it back, Go on a seven-game win streak of your own. And then we kind of split the last couple of games down the stretch. Nobody thought that at one and seven, at least definitely not me, as you could tell by some of the episodes that we uploaded here and the lack thereof episodes for about a month now, um, that it's very sh- shocking that we were even in playoff contention. And that goes to talk about a lot about the way that this team is structured. Okay. With Brian Flores now out of the picture, what the fuck is going to happen with the Dolphins? Okay, who's going to be the head coach? What are we going to do? Obviously, the Deshaun Watson rumors are still always circling. So is this the beginning of the end for Tua? Which would be a damn shame because now he's finally developed chemistry 
this last game that Tua played really just made me sit there and think, where the fuck has this been all year? Right? Normally, Tua would sit there, hold on to the ball, hold on to the ball, hold on to the ball, get sacked. But in this last game, we actually saw him being more comfortable getting out of the pocket. He looked more at ease when he was out of the pocket. Not to mention, stats-wise, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League when facing pressure. Right? So it really just makes me sit here and wonder, is what is going to happen next? What's the next move for Miami? Okay? We hit an absolute incredible draft class. Jalen Phillips came out, broke the Miami Dolphins' rookie record for sacks in a season. Jalen Waddell broke the all-time rookie receptions, right? Not just in Dolphins history, but in NFL history, passing the great Anquan Bolden, Pahokee's finest, right? And a lot of people are going to be skeptical, oh, it's because it's an 18-game season. Actually, Jalen Waddell did it in 16 games because he was on COVID call for, I think, like one or two games. So it's still technically kind of valid. Well, it's not kind of valid. It is valid. Right, and then obviously we have Javon Holland, who looks like he's going to be a staple down low. Not to mention, speaking of record-breaking performances, Christian Wilkins is also on here. Uh, tied the NFL single season for most tackles by a defensive lineman with 89. So it just really makes me think as to what is going to happen next, right? This season was a nightmare. Okay, it was an absolute nightmare. We had such high expectations just to be absolutely embarrassed and go one and seven. The only team in NFL history to lose seven games in a row and then win seven games in a row, so there's that. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, a lot of what happened behind the scenes was relatively ugly. The two offensive coordinators the co-offensive coordinators is a joke okay um did it sound like a good idea maybe but the execution was absolutely fucking terrible we finished in the run game 31st out of 32 teams if we didn't have duke johnson randomly come out of nowhere have two 100 yard games and four games we'd be 32 out of 32 um so on paper the offense was not good. In actual gameplay, the offense was not good. Okay, we saw flashes where Tua looks like he's an absolute number one guy. And then there are times where he looks like he's the backup to the backup to the backup. And whose fault is that? Is that the offensive coordinators? Is that Tua Tungavailoa's fault? Whose fault is it for the poor play this year? By the way, what happened to Will Fuller? Remember that fucking deal? Yeah, I do too. Played, like, what, fucking six snaps? So a lot of things did go wrong. It's a lot easier to sit here and say what went wrong than what actually went right. And what we do know, and the things that we did right, was Jalen Waddell... Javon Holland, and Jalen Phillips. Okay, those are the three guys that we know for sure you can build this team around. 
Maybe not so much Duke Johnson, um, but he definitely deserves a fucking roster spot. Our running game has been absolutely shit for four years. Remember when Ryan Fitzpatrick was our number one rusher? Yeah, that was fucking two years ago. That was when we went 5-11. and 11. And it blows my mind that Brian Flores is fired. Um, it is kind of a little bit of a shock, right? Two winning seasons back-to-back. No, we didn't make the playoffs in any of these, and he did have a losing record as a coach. But it's only by one game. And he had a pretty good record against divisional opponents, with the exception of Buffalo, of course. Um, I'm not too sure how to feel about this one. Because now, Miami, it seems like we're always in a state of limbo, and we've never gotten out of it. Like, I don't know if we have to call the Catholic Church to buy repentances, or whatever the fuck they were in the Middle Ages, to, like, get out of purgatory and know what the fuck is going on, right? Because there's just been a lot of confusion. This whole NFL season has had a lot of confusion, right? The entire Antonio Brown thing, we're not even going to... I'm going to touch on that in a later episode because that's got its own own entire can of worms that I really want to dive into. But, you know, it's just strange. And the weirdest part is... For the Dolphins now, what we need to do, there's a couple teams that we need to pay attention to. And there's a couple teams that we need to possibly mimic. And here's what I mean by that. You look at the Detroit Lions. You look at the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay? Let's primarily, let's look at the Raiders. Okay? The Raiders... Not only did they lose their coach, not only did they lose their star, like basically that entire draft class that they had from like two years ago is no longer on the team. Henry Ruggs is gone with his legal issues, right? Whole bunch of shit. But yet they still made the playoffs. Despite all the uncertainty and all of the chaos Las Vegas is going to the, like, they're going to the playoffs. Why is that? Okay, is it talent? On paper? Are they a good team? Absolutely. Are they the best team? Absolutely not. Las Vegas will probably have a first round exit, but that doesn't matter because what matters is the fact that they got there. The fact that they overcame all of that adversity. Look at the Detroit Lions. Did they have an absolute abysmal season? Yes. Was it to be expected? Yes. It's the fucking Lions, right? You're looking at a kid who was born in Detroit. Like, we fucking suck, right? The Lions are bad, but they have a coach that they played their hearts out for in Dan Campbell. And notice, as of the time of recording this right now on January 10th, he's still employed. Why is that? Because his players bought into the system. And do I feel that Miami's players bought into the system? Yes, I do. Right? 
because despite the one in seven start, came back obviously with the seven wins in a row, another winning season. You know, we saw it taking over last year, but what is different between us and those other two teams that I mentioned? It's consistency. It's right, because like here's the thing with the with with the Lions, right? The Lions are kind of a wild card, right? Nobody's really paying attention to a lot of them. Obviously, with just three wins on the fucking season. But here's the thing. They played their hearts out for Dan Campbell. Oh, is it because they had a lot of young guys that are just, you know, kind of playing for contracts? Maybe. Possibly. And that's probably it. But if you look at the locker room footage, and it's all over the internet, right? It's not that hard to find it. Just look up Dan Campbell postgame. Um, when he's in with his players in the locker room, that's not a team. That's a fucking brotherhood. Because I want you to really pay attention. Really pay attention to how the Lions interact with their coach on the field and off the field. They would die for Dan Campbell. They would jump off of the roof of Ford Field. For Dan Campbell. And no, Las Vegas doesn't have a set in stone coach right now. But with all of the controversy that they had to fucking deal with. They overcame it and they're going to the playoffs. So what went wrong in Miami? I think the culture was established. However, it was not executed. And color me a skeptic, but did we see a major evolution from Tua Tungavailoa this season? Absolutely. All the way from the beginning of the preseason until right now, we did see constant growth. And that's what you want. But with that being said, who the fuck is taking over the Dolphins? And whoever takes over, is that the end for Tua? Is it? Right? A couple other coaches released today as well. Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears, as well as Mike Zimmer of the Minnesota Vikings. The whole NFC North is... Like, half of them are gone. Um, but Dan Campbell's still around. Because that should speak volumes to who you are as a coach. You made the best out of what you had, right? Detroit was arguably, besides Jacksonville, the worst team on paper. Probably even worse than Jacksonville. And they overcame it, right? They just beat the fucking Packers. Granted, it was against the second strings. I don't give a shit. A win is a win, okay? And they played their asses off. And the Lions had so many chances throughout the season to win multiple games. Obviously, they fell short, right, due to just some bad luck, right? But never once did they quit, and same thing with the Raiders. Miami flat out did, like, did did we quit? I'm going to say yeah, right? Oh, but Tyler, how can you say that? They went on a seven-game win streak. The teams that we played were really bad during that stretch. We had the easiest stretch of games after week nine in the entire NFL, the easiest stretch of games, right? 
And so here we are confusing a lot of people where we look unstoppable. The defense finally comes together. Now, was it that the defense finally came together or were we just going up against bad teams? It's a mixture of both because we also played bad teams during the seven game losing streak that we should have beaten Jacksonville, Atlanta, Indianapolis, right? We could have beat all those teams. Did injuries also plague? Yes, right? But not that severely. So what happened in Miami? What happened and where do we go from here? In my personal opinion, and in my professional opinion, you can take that for whatever that's fucking worth, which it isn't worth much. Um, I feel the players quit on Brian Flores. Because throughout the season, and it's become like this habitual problem that I've noticed, not just in this season, but in the last three seasons under the, you know, the guide of Brian Flores. Um, Miami played down to competition every time. And here's like, if you don't believe me, just check the game tape for a lot of our losses. We should have blown some of these teams out of the fucking water. But we did. We had a really good regular season stats wise. Right? But I can't sit here and tell you one definitive moment. Like last year, the definitive moment was the Fitzmagic Hail Mary, right, to Mac Hollins, week 16. We all remember it. I made a live episode about it, right? We all remember that shit, right? That was the culture in Miami. All of a sudden now, it completely changed. So who quit on who? Did the players quit on Brian Flores? Did Chris Greer lose faith in Brian Flores? Right, because a lot of the moves that we made were very questionable. Okay, I understand the whole draft pick thing in years past. However, this year does make a lot of sense. Okay, we traded away a fantastic draft pick last year to the 49ers. And now the 49ers in the playoffs, making us even farther away from, what, a top 20, top 18 pick, at least in the first round? Um, The co-offensive coordinators was an abysmal joke of a disaster, right? So what does Miami do going forward? I don't know. It seems that Miami, since the year 2002, has been in a state of limbo. For 20 years, we have been in a state of limbo. With the one exception of the one year that we won the AFC East in 2008, right? I get that. Of course, Tom Brady was injured that season. Matt Castle still put up incredible numbers, by the way. But we're lost in the woods. We are Moses. We are wandering in the desert for 40 years with the promise of something, right? But that something's never appeared. And when that something has appeared, 
We said, no, thanks. I'm good. Right. We're constantly drowning and somebody is throwing us a life preserver and we're saying, no, thanks. I'll wait for a jet ski. Right. Like it doesn't make a lot of fucking sense because what do we do now? We can't promote an offensive coordinator to head coach. Which one do we choose? They're both shit. Okay, we can't have the defensive coordinator. Do we make a bid at Josh McDaniels? Absolutely not. He's never leaving New England. Right? And that was the other thing, too, that kind of bugged me a lot about Brian Flores. Was, don't get me wrong, was he a talented coach? Sure. Of course, now he's unemployed, so that makes that a little bit awkward to say. But he constantly gave his buddies that he worked with in New England chances to be on our coaching staff. And we see how well that went. It went fucking terrible. You look at the list of hires that Brian Flores made. Go look them up. A lot of the people that he hired to be on the coaching staff were also with him during his time in New England. So was was Flores trying to be Belichick? I'm going to say yeah. Flores tried to be Belichick. And he failed miserably. Okay. This was the season. This was the most important season of the rebuild. Okay. Once again, more questionable moves by getting rid of Shaq Lawson, who was our top performer in 2020, as well as Kyle Van Oy. So not only did we take exorbitant cap penalties on that, you don't just sign and cut and release and trade guys in the middle of a fucking rebuild. You don't do that. You're looking for star guys or guys that you can see having a long-term future with your franchise. Miami didn't do that. See, Miami had the perfect setup for an incredible rebuild, and we were on the right path. Until we weren't. So what went wrong? The locker room was lost. Because imagine this. Okay, you're two with Tungavailoa. You've had this franchise wanting you for two, if not longer than that years, right? Shit, I remember people saying tank for Tua in 2017, right? And I was like, who the fuck is this guy, right? You are Harold, you're the highest quarterback picked by this franchise since Bob fucking Greasy. We're looking at 40, almost 50 years ago for that. He actually has a winning record. Say what you will about to his mechanics, the way he plays the game. He does win football games, but is that all on him? Or did the defense bail us out time and time again? The answer is always the latter. Sometimes. Right? But when you look at it, even last year, and that was the most obvious, was when Tua was in big time opportunities and big spots, Ryan Flores didn't believe in him. And he put in Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jacoby Brissett. Fitzpatrick I was okay with. Jacoby Brissett is absolute 
hot dog water. He's terrible. Um, no offense, Jacoby. If I if I ever saw you in public, I would never say that to your face. But this is the internet, so I can. Um, I'm basically a giant pussy, is what I'm saying. But was Tua's confidence rattled? Probably. Now I can understand coming from the standpoint of Brian Flores. You want to put the guy in that gives you the best chance to win. I get that. But also at the exact same time, by constantly benching this kid, you're protecting him. Protecting him from what? When you have a rookie quarterback, those are just part of the growing pains. Okay? He's going to make bad reads. He's going to hold on to the ball too long. He's going to throw interceptions. He's going to have his bright spots, and he's going to have his really shitty spots. Those are growing pains. And every NFL player has to go through them. The greats are the ones that stick through that adversity and overcome the challenges. Brian Flores constantly stopped Tua from doing that. And so now we're getting to the point where I hear a lot of people saying, well, I like Tua, but like, what is he supposed to be good at? And I don't have an honest answer for that. Because... With Brian Flores constantly, I get it. You want to protect this guy. I get it. This is your franchise guy. But God damn it, in order to be your franchise guy, he's got to do franchise guy shit. And you're depriving him of that opportunity every single time you benched him. Coming up after the break, you'll also notice that we don't have any ads running on here anymore. Um... Just thought I'd randomly throw that in there. If you want to go to the Patreon, you can. You don't have to. Um, but we're doing this ad-free now. Boys and boys and goyles and however you identify. So coming up after the break, we're going to explore possible options for Miami's head coach opening. And where we go from here. I mean, look, don't get it twisted. I do want to say this. I did like Brian Flores. I'm just trying to point out any and all reasons why he would be fired to try to make sense of some of this. And no matter which way I spin it, I can't really think of any. I loved Brian Flores. I do. I really liked what he brought to the table. I was his biggest fan. You know, he just rallied eight of his last nine. Is it shocking? Yes. Brian Flores is gone. And it's a goddamn shame, right? There's a couple people that are available that I think Miami should really take a look at. So if that's going to be the decision, and that's final, and Brian Flores is gone, leading us to the best, what, first time we had double-digit wins in, what, three, four years? Last year, I mean. Right? So, like, where do we go from here? What are the pieces? What are the options? Is Stephen Ross trying to go after Harbaugh? Jim or John? Right? Does it definitely mean that two is gone? More than likely. But here are some of my top candidates that I would really like to see Miami bring in. And the first one is obviously Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. 
Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the Packers' offense. They gave up, what, 10, 11 turnovers the entire season? That's pretty fucking good. Also, too, when he was at Syracuse, he took that program's offense and established Ryan Nassib as a draft prospect when nobody was looking at Syracuse, right? When he was in Buffalo, he turned a sub-500 team into a 9-7 and with a respectable offense. And in Jacksonville, he also designed an offense for Blake Bortles that finished 5th in points per game and 6th in yards. Now, it's to be assumed, obviously, that he's just a product of the system in Green Bay, right? Kind of like the the Belichick coaching tree. But if you give Nathaniel Hackett the chance to work with Tua Tungavailoa, or if we go a completely different direction and Tua is gone and we bring in Deshaun Watson, right, or whoever the fuck, I like Nathaniel Hackett for turning this team around, right? He also quietly interviewed for the Falcons job last year. Um, and a lot of people were like, what the fuck? Right? Why? Because Nathaniel Hackett is smart as shit. He's really good. He has massive offensive turnarounds everywhere he goes. Guess who really fucking needs one? It's Miami. Right? The next person that I would really like to see, and I want him back in Miami, Former defensive back coach, now defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Todd Bowles. Okay. Bowles, 10 games with the Ryan Fitzpatrick-led Jets team, is incredible, right? Bowles still has the only winning season by a Jets head coach over the last decade. He masterfully destroyed the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, right? And his whole vision for the defense is linebacker-centered. So really, that Mike, the middle linebacker, really is the key guy. And he's also still very good at defensive backs, right? So having this kind of coach who has proven ability to adjust to offensive trends, right? He shut down. One of the most prolific offenses of all time in the Super Bowl in the Chiefs last year. Okay. And honestly, if we're going to stick with Miami's whole defensive first mindset, that's sometimes more valuable than an offensive coach simply just riding a trend, right? Because we can go hire anybody off the street and have them run the RPO, right? Anybody can fucking do that. Okay. RPO is so... Like, kids in Pee-wee are playing with the RPO-style offense now, right? Oh, by the way, I just want to mention all this. Brian Flores got fired, but Joe Judge is still on the New York Giants. Just thought I'd, just, just, just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, If you were ever wondering, if you were ever wondering. And also, the last guy that I would really like to see possibly just be a head coaching candidate, not Eric Bieniemy. I don't want to talk more about Eric Bieniemy than I already have in episodes past. Um, but Brian DeBole from the Bills, the offensive coordinator, um, just look at what he did with Josh Allen. Um, and I feel like his role in the development of Josh Allen has been overlooked. Um, but 
you know, he's got an eye for those matchups, transcend schemes, right? He's fantastic. And I would really like to have Brian DeBowl here. Um, obviously, a lot of people want Eric Bieniemy. I mean, I don't know. I've already talked about him, you know, exorbitantly. Those are really, and really the last person that I would also want to see here, um, Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. You look at the incredible season that the Cowboys had as well. Um, and not only that, Kellen Moore, former Boise State guy, go Broncos, who's one of the best college quarterbacks, didn't really pan out in the NFL, but he's so fucking smart that he's able to conduct an offense and lead Dak Prescott to his best every year. And finally, lead the Cowboys to postseason bliss, right? So, you know, he's a young coach recently removed from the game who can handle the rigors of a star quarterback and can also build a star quarterback. So I like that. I like that. And obviously another name that I hear thrown around a lot is Byron Leftwich along with Eric Bieniemy. Apparently Bruce Arians was pretty pissed that Leftwich didn't receive any head coaching interviews last year. Like Reed with Eric Bieniemy. But um He's a really good offensive coordinator. I don't understand why Bruce Arians would be mad. I mean, obviously, he wants him to be successful, but, you know, there's that too. Same thing, former quarterback Byron Leftwich. I would love it. Um, Obviously, I would love for Josh McDaniels. So, it's stupid not to put him on this list because, obviously, he would be incredible. But from an offensive coordinator standpoint he would be the best fit, not a head coaching standpoint. Um, look at the work that he's done with Mac Jones in just a year. Josh McDaniels would be incredible as the offensive coordinator, not as the head coach, but I just thought I would mention him here. Um, shit, even D'Amico Ryans, the defensive, the defensive coordinator from San Fran, would be incredible. Somebody that I would love to see, actually. Even Matt Campbell from Iowa State, I feel like that would be incredible. Um, he may get an offer that he can't refuse, right? Seeing how Matt Rule and Urban Meyer did, though, might not really work out. Seeing how there's now literally no market for collegiate coaches with upside. The only two that were in the league was Matt Rule and Urban Meyer. We know how those turned out. So... You know, I don't want a P.J. Fleck from Minnesota. I mean, he's not bad, but looking at the trend from transition from college to the NFL, it's pretty rough. Hmm, it's almost like it's like that for the players, too. Wow. Um, See how it all comes full circle. It's, it's a shock to the system. Um, Miami is without a head coach. And... I feel like that problem goes deeper than beyond Brian Flores. This is an issue that Miami has been dealing with for a long time. Miami doesn't have a designated identity. Okay. They've got their philosophy, right? But when you look at teams, right? 
you think first things, right? Whenever anybody mentions the Steelers, the first thing you think of is that defense. Ravens, first thing you think is that defense. Seahawks, you think of that Legion of Boom. You think of Russell Wilson. You think of Miami, you see question marks. Because ever since Dan Marino has left, for and we cannot use this as an excuse anymore, because the Patriots have done it with Mac Jones. They got the greatest quarterback the world has ever seen and will ever see. His records will never be broken. In Tom Brady, he leaves Foxborough. Belichick has one bad year. We think, sweet, the villain has been vanquished. He comes back with a vengeance with Mac Jones. Consistency. Buying into the system. Miami hasn't done that. Miami doesn't have a surefire identity because there were too many things in the air. Miami doesn't know which way is up, which way is down, where to shit or where to piss. And they don't even have a pot to piss in. Okay? It's very, very confusing. It's very, very frustrating. Because just as Miami makes a little bit of progress, we take 12 steps back. And we're right back to square one. And, lo and behold, here we are again. Um, back in square one. Now without a head coach. And a lot of uncertainty for players. For the roster. For the offensive scheme. The shitty part is, is even if we keep to a tongue of Iloa, which I hope to God that we do, I say it in my prayers every single time right before I take my vitamins, just like Hulk Hogan used to tell me, right? I hope to God that we keep to a, but I just feel bad for the kid. This will be his third year in the league and his third different, what, playbook maybe? Because it was different with these guys, whatever the fuck we want to call them. It's, it, it's been different every single year. So he's had to overcome and overcome and overcome and overcome and overcome. And I feel like he really has. I feel like Tua has made great strides. But I feel like all of a sudden now, Miami is getting complacent that things aren't happening fast enough. But meanwhile, we held on to Ryan Tannehill for seven years. But yet we're willing to give up on Tua Tungavailoa after two seasons. But yet we'll hold on to Ryan Tannehill. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, Miami says that they're going to do one thing. They do the complete opposite. It's very frustrating. It's very confusing. Um, right? Brian Flores managed to do something with a really shitty season. Right? One in seven. He won eight of the last nine, right? And he gets released. I have a feeling that that decision was made halfway through the season. I really do. Um, but I also see where Stephen Ross and the entire media are coming from. Did we win seven games in a row? Yeah. We're, you know, look, we lost one game in, you know, like the last nine against a team that is the number one seed in the AFC, okay? So the opponents that we played were really fucking shitty, 
really shitty, with the exception of two. Um, obviously, being the Patriots is one of them. The Tennessee Titans are the other. Um, wins are wins, I get that. But if we're going to sit here and also talk about the ease of some of these opponents, why couldn't we beat the likes of Indianapolis, who just lost to Jacksonville? Why couldn't we? And that was before Jonathan Taylor really started doing anything crazy. So if that's the reason, right? Because, oh, well, all of his wins were against nobody teams. Okay. Fair. Right? So with that same logic, why couldn't we beat the Jaguars? Why couldn't we beat the Falcons, the Colts? Right? It's the last ride for Flores. He had a good run. Um, helped us sweep the Patriots for the first time in 20 years, so that's cool. But Brian Flores kind of falls under the same exact umbrella that everybody who leaves New England does. They try to be Belichick too fast. They lose parts of themselves to try to become the next Bill Belichick. Because I think, well, if he's the greatest coach of all time, and if I instill his philosophy from the get-go, we'll be fine. Bill Belichick did not become the greatest coach of all time overnight or in the span of one season. He first started in Cleveland. That should tell you something. Right? And he worked his way up. But you look at a lot of people that have left the New England coaching tree. And a lot of them, 99% of them, try to be Bill Belichick too fast. They just try to be Belichick, period. Instead of going back to what always worked for them. To what helped them get the recognition to be a candidate in the first place. So that is the problem. Too many coaches, right? And all of a sudden, these guys from the Belichick coaching tree, right? All of a sudden, they get like a gold star around them. Like, oh, oh yeah, he was around greatness. <laughs> cool, he could have probably not said like three words to Belichick. Oh, but he was in the same building. <laughs> right? So we put so much fucking emphasis on people that come from the Belichick coaching tree, almost like it's God himself, right? We need to stop doing that. And we need to find a coach that, we just need to find a coach, period. But we need to find one that can take this kind of dumpster fire. Because, look, let's be honest, this season was a bit of a dumpster fire. Okay, we lost to teams that we should have beat. We weren't even close in games where it really counted, right? So we were, like, essentially we were frauds, essentially, right? Because we had all of these super high expectations just to be let down very quickly and very severely. And it went downhill, and it went downhill so fucking fast. But Flores tried to save it, and he made the most out of it. 
But where do we go from here? I don't know. Um, I'm convinced that Steven Ross is just really likes to lose. Um, I don't know why, but then again, the guy's a billionaire and I'm not. So maybe he knows something that I don't. Um, obviously, um, that's, that's, that's really all I got to say. Cause I can only beat a dead horse so much. I loved Flores. It's a shame to see him go. Um, I hope that he absolutely takes the reins somewhere else and fucking takes off. Um, just because I really want to see him be successful. Just because that was really my favorite Dolphins head coach in a long time. Um, because we've had a lot of them. You know, Dave Wanstead, Nick Satan. Yes, I called him Nick Satan, not Nick Saban. Um, right, so who knows? Who knows? Um, we could pull a reverse Saban and get a college coach that turns out to be the greatest NFL head coach of all time, instead of the old switcheroo of Saban's going to go to Alabama and become the greatest head coach of all time. Um, so I don't really know. I don't know. That is why Stephen Ross and all of the people are paid the money that they are, and I am not. Um, I'm just a guy on the internet that bitches when things don't go right to the only thing that gives me joy in life. But that's all I got to say about that. Tune in within the next couple of days for a huge project. I shouldn't say next couple of days because now everybody's going to flood my inbox. Be like, hey, bro, it's been three days. Where the fuck is it? We're doing an in-depth analysis. And I know that sounds... Real fucking fun, right? We're doing an in-depth analysis. Make sure you check on back. But no, we're going to be talking about Antonio Brown. Um, we might have a major interview, one or two, um, from some psychologists, as well as medical professionals to really help kind of diagnose. Like I said, it's a maybe. Probably not going to happen. But it's a maybe. Um... To where we're really going to dive into the whole Antonio Brown saga from beginning to where we are right now. But that's all I got to say about that. As always, I am your host, Ty. And I thank you so much for listening wherever, however, and whenever you are listening to this. For those of you that are brand new, hello, hi, how are you? Hit that subscribe button. Rate us five stars. It's completely free helps us with the algorithm helps us get the word out about our mediocre miami porpoises um obviously the patreon is also down below as well you don't have to but if you would like to and you enjoy the content and would also like bonus content as well you can always join the patreon all of the proceeds go to the ms foundation trying to find a cure for multiple sclerosis um i myself am personally afflicted by it so none of the money touches my pocket. It goes immediately to the MS Foundation. Once again, don't have to if you want to. If you're feeling generous, we love you. And even if you don't join the Patreon, we love you. We love you just as much. And as always, God bless. And go Miami Dolphins.